Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. How can we check our assumptions on how chemistry works, especially on other planets? Now, we can make a lot of assumptions about way formulations, physics, chemistry, and lots of other things work based on our experience here on Earth. That's what we look for because it's our only frame of reference. So how do we understand chemistry on another planet? Well, sometimes it requires thinking out of the box. In this case, checking in on some pipes. One of the big divides in science is between those who come up with theoretical concepts of how things may work, come up with formulas, rules, laws that govern the universe and everything inside of it. And then it goes to the other side, those that have to then investigate these laws, test them, shape them, break them, using experimental results. And this experimentism versus theoretical is a hard and fast battle between two different forces. One's trying to simplify and find neat proofs for how things work, and others who keep coming up with odd and strange data that breaks this convention. Now, researchers way back in 2014, using NASA's Mars rovers, found some pretty interesting rocks. And they could have been formed by a number of ways. But by applying the science as we understand it and know, it was a couple of simple explanations that could be had. And in many ways, in science, we always look for a simple explanation, if it aligns with our prior experience and what we know about how the universe works. Occam's razor, the simple explanation is more often than not likely the correct one. The problem is, what's simple? Because after all, we only know about a certain set of conditions. Those here on Earth. Those that we are able to build or test in a laboratory or see with our own eyes or other instruments. So often, the data that we collect actually forms a sign of bias about the type of experimental results we expect and also the type of formulations and theories that we make. In this particular case, We're going to look at something that happened based on this 2014 discovery of what was inside a couple of rocks found in the Garland Endeavour craters in Mars 2014, and how researchers now, combing over that data, have been trying to find other ways that it may have come about, rather than the simple explanation that was proposed at the time. Now, these researchers from Washington University in St. Louis have published their paper in the journal Nature Geoscience, with authors Koshik Mitra, Eleanor Moreland, Greg Lendingham, and Jeffrey Catalano. Now, these researchers at the time were all working together at Washington University in St. Louis, though now have spread out a little bit across the universities, were diving into the mysteries of a particular rock sample result. And the reason why it was so intriguing is because, well, the tantalizing evidence that it provided were suggesting something pretty amazing. And with any amazing claim, you always have to stop and think. Could there be a simpler explanation for this result, or maybe an alternative one that doesn't yield us the same tantalizing result, but could explain what we see? The tantalizing result way back in 2014 here was something that was found inside these rocks, manganese oxide in particular. And the reason why it was so exciting is because, well, to form this type of oxide, manganese oxide, you need a lot of water and strong oxidizing conditions. Now, understanding what happens here on Earth, strong oxidizing conditions and a lot of water, 
would often conclude, many geologists and scientists, that, well, if you can see manganese oxide, then it means there must have been enough atmospheric oxygen present in the environment in order to create this strongly oxidizing conditions. That's what we see here on Earth. When we see strong oxidation and minerals form like manganese oxide, you have all these things hand in hand. Lots of water and lots of oxygen in our atmosphere. Now, the thing is, that's a perfectly valid setup and precondition here on Earth, but doesn't really hold on Mars. But that's why scientists were so amazed, because, well, if we found this manganese oxide, that must have meant that at some point in Mars's atmosphere, there was a lot or an increase in the amount of oxygen that had then dwindled down to today's low levels that you see in Martian atmosphere. It's not that Mars doesn't have oxygen, it does, it just doesn't have a hell of a lot of it. Certainly not enough to create strong oxidizing conditions. So, then if you can see rocks that can only be formed in strong oxidizing conditions, then there must have been oxygen, right? At least that's the theory. But it's totally possible, at least as these scientists put it in this paper, to f have these strong oxidizing conditions occur without relying so much on atmospheric oxygen. Now, this is important because basically this result, finding of this rock, was suggesting something pretty phenomenal about Mars's atmosphere. Because by doing that, it would align with what we see here on Earth. But what we see here on Earth isn't the only way something can be. There are possibly other ways that you could get this strong oxidation. And that's what the researchers looked and turned to. And in fact, where they turned has actually got more in line with water treatment than it does with our atmosphere. Because where they turned to was what other ways could you get strong oxidizing conditions? And they used kinetic modeling to show that it's possible to form a lot of manganese oxidation without actually having an oxygen-rich atmosphere. Instead, having a carbon dioxide-rich atmosphere that they expect in ancient Mars. Now, the thing is, the link between manganese oxide and oxygen is based around a lot of fundamental geochemistry. And Mars is a planet rich in halogen elements, chlorine and bromine. And compared to Earth, we don't have as much of those. On Mars, you can end up with halogen and bromine and chlorine in all kinds of weird and strange combinations that you just don't see here in abundance on Earth. Now, that is pretty funny, but actually, when you think about it, chlorate and bromate, dominant forms of those elements on Mars, are actually something that's well understood, at least in the way they behave in water, especially when it comes to water treatment. If you look at the way chlorination of drinking water occurs, you can see how in the process, what that does, not only to the water itself, the bugs inside of it, but also the stuff around it, the pipes the transport mediums that are carrying all these chemical reactions. So understanding water treatment is really useful, but helps us understand how these reactions can occur. So given that you can get pretty good oxidation occurring in these types of water treatment plant setups, the scientists thought, well, hang on, is it possible to use this strong oxidation condition to form these manganese oxide without having to rely on oxygen in the atmosphere? Now, in the lab, these researchers showed with a bunch of laboratory experiments using chlorate and bromate, the kind of dominant forms of, of these elements that you find on Mars, exposing them in water to some oxidized manganese. 
And what they found is they could replicate what they think is perhaps like the fluid conditions you would see on the early Mars surface. And so these researchers took these chlorides and bromides, added some water, and then dropped in some manganese. And what they found in this setup that was designed to mimic the fluidic conditions on early Mars is that that manganese dissolved into manganese oxide minerals thousands of millions of times faster than would be possible by just pure exposure to oxygen. And then if they just made it weakly acidic, which they believe they would have seen on early Mars surface, bromate produces manganese oxide minerals way more quickly than like literally any other available oxidant. That means forget oxygen to create this oxidation requirement. If you have bromate and chloride there, well, you can create manganese oxide or any oxidation really, really quickly. And in many of these conditions, actually, in fact, they found that oxygen actually isn't capable of forming manganese oxides. Like, literally, it doesn't a not able to have enough energy to create the oxidation process or to kick it off. So just because we have oxidation, the way we describe and understand oxidation based on our experience here on Earth, doesn't necessarily mean that you actually need to have oxygen, purely by definition. And this is certainly true on other planets like Mars where there may not be a lot of oxidation. That doesn't mean that that chemical mechanism doesn't work, it just means that it's different. Not that the understanding of the chemistry is wrong, it's just that it uses a different mechanism. And it is possible that there would be other viable oxidants on Mars other than oxygen, maybe UV photooxidation, and that could have helped explain why the planet isn't red. But in the case of manganese, there was just no viable alternative to explain how you could have created manganese oxides without oxygen. But using this laboratory experiment and bringing in knowledge from other areas in science and engineering, they found that these chlorates and bromates, which are known to be on the surface of Mars, and would have been in liquid exposed formats at those times, could actually create oxidation really, really powerful and way more effective than actual plain old oxygen. So it doesn't mean that Mars and atmosphere needed to have a lot of oxygen. In fact, just the presence of what we know that it has already would have been enough to do the job, just not necessarily in the way we expect. The oxygen wouldn't have been involved at all. We would have relied on other means, chlorates and bromates, to create all that oxidation. Now, this isn't, in one way, a setback to the idea of Mars having an oxygen-rich atmosphere that may have held life. And look, possibly it means there wasn't as much oxygen as we hoped for in early Mars's history. But again, like we just talked about, just because there's no oxygen doesn't mean there's probably no life. We know that there are several life forms here on Earth that don't need oxygen to survive. And so therefore, the fact that Mars didn't have enough oxygen, at least in the way that we thought it did as before, doesn't mean that Mars is any less habitable than it was in the past. It just means that maybe we would have had other organisms, some crazy extremophiles that can survive in halogen-rich environments, like the salt-loving single-celled organisms and bacteria that thrive in, say, the Great Salt Lakes in Utah, or the Dead Sea here on Earth. Creatures like that may have thrived on the surface of Mars. The problem is we can only look for or think to look for things that we 
can compare to life here on Earth. So sometimes when something comes out of the woodwork which requires an alternate idea on chemical formulation, well, unless you think to check another way of doing the calculation or the process, or in this case, the oxidation, you may miss something that's right in front of you. So this is a good example of how experimental results can help guide and give a theory another look give that data that we get back from probes and help us use it to check our baseline assumptions that go into formulating all kinds of theories and formulations. This is some great research published in the journal Nature Geosciences about how we can take a second look at Martian samples of manganese oxide and what could have formed them and how halogens like bromates and chlorates could have been evolved in radically oxidizing these way more powerfully than oxygen's presence in the atmosphere would have done. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, LaGrange Point. The formation of manganese oxides on Martian surface didn't require oxygen in the atmosphere, but it probably required some chlorates and bromates to do the job way faster. Our ending theme was composed by Audio and Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.